0: Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world.
1: This week is part two to the message on the American free enterprise system and operating in the world while not being of
2: the world. In the late 17th century, Cotton Mather said that a man has two callings. The first is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And he said he better listen to that one if he's to enter into the joys of God's plan for his soul. And then he said the second one is a certain particular employment by which his usefulness in his neighborhood is distinguished. To be diligent in one's earthly calling, Carnegie said, We must enter into the capitalistic society with individualism, private property, the law of accumulation of wealth, and the law of competition, but remembering the motivation of love that invests, that works hard, and shares their wealth. Now, I'm bringing you these few things to show you what happened before drastic change took. In 1880, The Means of Success by William Thayer, who wrote on Christian virtues pertaining to this subject. And he published an article called Push and Principles. And he said this that everyone should be industrious, upright, faithful, and proud in their obedience to the golden opportunities available for man's free volition to enjoy in self-discipline. Then he went on to say, through talents, whether they be one or ten, few or many, let's not waste time or money, but let's enjoy our duty to become enriched and to enrich others rather than resting in pleasure in our ease. In eighteen seventy and eighteen eighties success books were filled with Christian phrases on Christian virtues producing human stimulation, divine motivation and an intellectual climate of objective thinking to advance the welfare of the Christian outside of the abstract, idealistic hyper spiritual theory into a practical, industrious, creative attitude of abundant living as Jesus Christ gave man in John 10.10. For his soul, for his personal being, for his marriage, for his home, for his nation, and for his church. And therefore, propagating the gospel in all the world to give people an opportunity of choice in the greatest decision of a lifetime to be saved or lost for eternity. And to present that word that would make it possible for Christians to have a destiny not only in heaven, but a destiny where they reign with Christ forever in the most richest spiritual experience that man could ever hope to have in the destiny of man through God as God's sons and daughters through eternal life. But something happened in 1894 which made a major change. And we have Satan's kingdom beginning to work in a very vigorous way. A shift from Christian thought to mental suggestion. Pseudo-intellectualism. Mathistic attitudes of self-love, self-seeking, self-interest, self-ambition. Everything for me. And you help me to acquire it. You support me becoming wealthy and become a slave to my personal interest. This began to be activated through this amazing new thought, mental suggestion. Orison Madden, in 1894, published his first book, which he said, The law of prosperity is just as definite as the law of gravitation just as the unerring as the principles of mathematics. He says it's a mental law. Only by thinking abundance can you realize the abundance of prosperity. His writings were filled with new ideas of a new thought movement. The success of the philosophy was naturalistic, humanistic, empiricistic, and it began to take the principles of free enterprise and the amazing adventure of man's free volition and freedom to adventure into a self-seeking program which caused division, dissension, confusion, sorrow and heartaches to many who pursued this humanistic philosophy. And so this became a tremendous move of Satan which to this day When some Americans in national entity began to wake up and born-again Christians in the churches began to wake up and they joined forces to reveal collectively their desire for America to get back to free enterprise, to creative industrial activity in a pursuit of free enterprise for others and to protect others and defend others and to give everyone rights who are willing to be disciplined, who are willing to have goals and are willing to go forth by faith to put their ideas into practice. And that humanistic philosophy, whether it's in Dewey with education, whether it's in the ecumenical movement in religion, whether it's in the field of liberal economics taught in our colleges, whatever it is, It's facing a new challenge. God's people, who can be motivated by freedom, who can be constrained by God's love, who meet the word of God at the cross through grace, who are filled with relaxed mental attitudes, who are activated by self-discipline, who are able to think in terms of an eternal purpose, who are willing to share their talents, their gifts, Their abilities and their desires, with their family, and then for national entity, and then for those free people in the society of our world. When we understand that God desires the prosperity of His servants and takes pleasure in their prosperity and desires to have their days be in prosperity and their years in pleasure, if we have the spirit. Of humility the love of God's compassion and the attitude of Calvary it is so important to realize that whenever God begins to move Satan begins to move and Satan brings about conspiracies on every level humanism is simply a conspiracy a humanistic philosophy to counteract practical theology, the study of God's character through grace. And Jeremiah 11.9 was a national conspiracy. And that's what this movement was by Oris Martin. It began a conspiracy against what was going on in the free enterprise system in God's purpose of love. Now Nishi said... That Christian virtues were vices. He said love, forgiveness, and kindness are not virtues. Power, selfishness, stubbornness, acquiring as much as you can for yourself, he said, is the real virtue. And ultimately, he said, it'll build a happy human race. Sure, for Nietzsche and Hitler. He said, virtues or vices. And Hitler was motivated by Nietzsche's philosophy and the communists and Lenin and Stalin and that philosophy, which is, a, which is a conspiracy against government, has been that type of thing ever since that has interfered with happiness and the freedom of individuals. For that reason... Free wills are inhibited in these countries because they take away the free rights of the individuals because they do not believe that life came from God or we face God in the judgment seat. So I want you to think in the closing moments the following things. What is God's will for the Christian? God's will for the believer is to see In a spiritual way through the Holy Spirit. Our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross first. And in your heart picture him on the cross. Dying. So you could be really free. In your conscience. Really free in your soul. Really free. And have inner happiness. So that no guilt would trail you. On this earth. In your memory center. He pays for every sin. We believe it. Mercy comes in and purges the consequences of everything we've done. And just as grace saves us when we believe, mercy takes care of all the consequences of what we've done. So we don't need a psychologist or psychiatrist or counselors. But Jesus Christ, the Word of God, our local church. Jesus pays And dies, and for three hours, in spiritual death, he cries out to the Father over and over again, not just once, Why hast thou forsaken me? In pitch blackness he cries out, Why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus Christ became sin, and bore our guilt, and the Father turned his back, and it pleased the Father. and Isaiah
0: 53.10,
2: why did it please him? Because he loves you. And because he could accept the vicarious death of this perfect man. And there had to be a man to die in your place. And the justice of God was satisfied. And the grace of God could flow forever towards you in salvation. And keep you saved, even though you may fail And suffer loss of rewards because grace saves you forever. Once you believe in Hebrews 10. 10. Now then, after Christ died, then he begins to deal with us. And he said in Isaiah 48.17, I want to teach you how to profit. I want to teach you how to profit. And he said, it's my desire that you prosper and be in good health. Even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. Then he said this. I want the word of God, the precepts of God, to be help to your literal, physical bones. And Proverbs 4.21. And then he went on to say that I want to give you the expected end of peace because I don't think evil towards you. Now, notice his attitude. I want to teach you how to be content in whatsoever state you're in in the business world, in the free enterprise adventures. I want to teach you that, first of all, when your soul is prospering in the Word, when you're being filled with the precious Holy Spirit of God, I want to teach you that godliness with contentment is great gain in 1 Timothy six. 6 that faith, rest, in Hebrews 4.9, means to be relaxed, peaceful, quiet. And if you fail to name it and recover and accept forgiveness momentarily, isolate it, forget it, and move on. So the Lord says, listen, when you have that kind of a heart, and that's your mentality of your soul, you can receive ideas. You realize that failure isn't failure, but only learning a better way to do it. You can be creative in your faith and learn to trust me through grace in every detail of your plans. So the Lord comes in teaching us how to profit. And teaching us how to be healthy in his perfect will. Inwardly strong, outwardly happy. I want to put this in very quickly. There are movements today which teach prosperity in a false way. We love them. We're not criticizing them, but they're wrong. And they teach that faith is your God sovereign over Christ. They have an answer for everything through rationalization. But when you prosper in your soul, you are relaxed, even if you're the three Hebrew boys. God is able to deliver me. But if he doesn't, hallelujah, I'll go home to be with him. Daniel three twenty-five and 26. So if God hadn't delivered him, it wouldn't have been a matter of faith. It would have been his sovereign will and his perfect plan. This movement misses the whole thing. So they mislead people unintentionally, perhaps. The second thing this movement doesn't understand is when Daniel was placed in the lion's den At the very time of evening when they were hungry, it wasn't a matter of faith, it was a matter that he needed rest and he went to sleep. And the king looked in and saw that the lions were peacefully doing nothing about the little body of Dan. And the king said, wait a minute, he should be consumed by now. But he wasn't, because God's will desired to protect him. But in Hebrews 11, many beautiful, faithful heroes of faith did not get delivered and did not receive the promises of God, and they were just as spiritual as the three Hebrew boys in Daniel. And that's what we believe. That's called the truth about Christ as he deals with man's free will. See, my will isn't that I prosper. My will is to do God's will. And generally speaking, as long as I use it to propagate the gospel and to bless others, he'll prosper me for that purpose. That purpose must be an eternal purpose in Ephesians 3.11. A purpose to serve God in Daniel 1.8 with all my heart in that, Mark 12.29. But it isn't for me, myself, and I. The problem is, and you've heard this poem if you've been here a lot, Miss me too had a comrade, and her name is didn't do. Did you ever a chance to meet them? Did they ever call upon you? I'm told they live together in a house of never win. And their conversation is always all oh, what might have been.
0: America
2: and Christianity that's filled with God and filled with the Holy Spirit and has God's precise light and understands grace which will never be removed, and unconditional love, and the finished work, and the right to choose with God with positive volition. Don't have to live in what might be. We can go out in our spiritual force behind us and our choleric disposition and make it happen with God. Now, I want you to see that my freedom to pray because I desire to. Prayer doesn't make me spiritual, but I love to pray because I know him and I believe in prayer. Soul winning does not make me spiritual. Christ does, but I go because I love him and love the kids. But we're spiritual when we believe and receive. Then we function with a diversity of operations to honor Christ in a local assembly. We're spiritual because of Christ and the Word and we believe it, not because of what we do. We do what we do because we love Him in response to our opportunities of our free volition to go positive toward the needs of others, to go positive toward God and honoring the needs of the other. So the reason isn't for spiritual merits, but it's because of love. So in Second Corinthians 5, 14 and 15... Love constraining us in evangelism. I think the greatest thrill in this world is you and I, sinners saved by grace, with our free volition, we want to go in the third world and are in the third world. We want to make it possible to feed them, to give them clothes continually, and to preach the gospel and to give them God's way of living. We want to go into Europe and continue in China and Japan and to continue in behind the iron curtain, and minister the word of grace and the word of love so people can think and be prepared for eternity. We want to have a ministry in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Not because it makes us spiritual, but because the love of Christ motivates our positive volition to share what we've got. And that's the results of human freedom, free enterprise, creativity by faith, and obedience to God. We are still the most blessed nation that's on the face of the earth. And while our client nation status has been threatened because of humanism and liberalism and spiritual slothness among the churches, it's now looking up. And as ministries begin to teach the finished work, the grace of God, they begin to teach categories filling of the Spirit and begin to teach it. And people's souls get built up and build up and build up and build up with God's love, with God's Word and God's grace. And our cup runs over and we begin to embrace the whole counsel of God. And we begin to reveal the characteristics of the one that was on the cross. And we begin to enter into a Partnership with faith, and we begin to have a love that spills over and it enters into every realm of life to industry, to education, to science, to medicine, to private property, and all these areas. And then we reach the lost world as best we can. Then we are fulfilling the purpose of Calvary, the design of God and created man and the right of our privilege as free volitional agents created under God's grace and love to reproduce His nature because we choose to by grace and human freedom.
0: Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.gracianpublic.com.
1: Really a great message, a scholarly message, with great spiritual content. You made some amazing points about creativity. When we're free, when we're at rest, when we're content... In First Timothy 6.6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Then there's freedom to be creative. It's amazing when our mind is at rest. The creative juices can be flowing during that time. Some people are creative under stress, but to be at rest and not driven, to not have a driving spirit, being available, being teachable, it's amazing what can happen. In Ephesians 3.11, Christ lived his life according to the eternal purpose that the Father had purposed. And we want to live that way too. We have a determination to live that way too. And we make a choice to serve God. We make a choice to go after God. And in going after God, God will prosper us if that's his will. And that's the amazing thing. There is a surrender. God will prosper us within his plan. He has a desire to prosper us. That prospering may not always be financial, but it may be. Our health may suffer. Yet God desires that we would be healthy in his perfect plan. And in Third John, verse 2. Beloved, concerning all things, I desire thee to prosper. Who is I there? I is John, the pastor's heart. I desire thee to prosper and to be in health even as thy soul doth prosper. And this is reflected through a man, the heart of God, though a plan of God. They include many things, as we went into last week. Many experiences, hard ones, and times of great prosperity, times of destruction, maybe. And yet, God's plan is that he's building within us the character of his son, Jesus Christ, who didn't have a place to lay his head, and yet he was extremely prosperous. And his ministry was the most prosperous one. (laughs) And we see the effects of it in the church. And though this is God incarnate as a man, and yet as a man, he had a ministry. God prospered him and gave him a name above every name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess Christ's accomplishments in the
0: world and his goodness,
1: his character.
0: We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is com.
1: We would certainly say the beginning to a spiritually prosperous life is to put God before self. How do we do that? We receive Jesus as our Savior. We accept that what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago will look like a colossal failure until the third day when he was raised from the dead. He was crucified bearing our sin, and he was raised and is seated at the right hand of the Father now. And we can be there with him one day. We can be accepted in the Beloved if we believe in the truth of what was accomplished that day 2,000 years ago. That our sin was paid for, and that God stretches out a free gift to us if we'll receive it. Will you receive it today? Will you receive the free gift of salvation? God wants to trade your ashes for his beauty. He wants to come into your life and prosper you in ways you can only begin to understand. Prosper you with peace. Prosper you with wisdom. Prosper you with happiness. That you would be happy. You'd be filled with joy, which is a deeper kind of happiness. That you would be strong within. Oh, yeah. Strong, happy, creative in a life with God. So receive him today. Pray a prayer in your heart or aloud. Jesus, I receive you. Come into my life. Make me yours. Cleanse me of my
0: sin. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.